Our first Bible reading comes from the Gospel according to Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. So that's Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. The parable of the sower. Again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60 or even a 100 times. Praise God for his word. If you could turn with me again to the book of Mark and chapter 4. I'm going to be continuing our reading, which is Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 9 and through to verse 12. So picking up the reading at verse 9 and through to verse 12. Let's hear from God's word. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Friends, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your wonderful word. We recognise, Lord, that that comes by the help indeed only through your Holy Spirit. So we pray that he would be working in us now. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, friends, welcome to one of the most well-known stories in your Bible. And I don't know about you, but what I find so interesting and, and fascinating about it is it's simple and it's confusing at the very same time. You're not quite following, let me explain. Here we have this easy to picture story about a farmer who sows seed. What is this seed? Well, that's pretty easy too, isn't it? It's, it's the gospel. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The seed is the good news that this dying, under-judgment world desperately needs. So, so far, so good. But here comes the confusing bit. 
with this priceless seed in his possession, you'd think the farmer would take a fair amount of care in the sowing process, wouldn't you? When I think back to my days in Weewar, cotton farmers out there were meticulous about this. The seed was to be placed and spaced just right in soil that had been prepared just right. The process done with focus and care so that each individual seed had the very best chance to sprout, grow and produce a crop. But friends, the attitude of the Wee War cotton farmers isn't quite matched by the farmer in this story, is it? For here he is with seed infinitely more precious than cotton or any other crop for that matter. But rather than taking extra special care in placing it and watering it just right, what he does instead seems to indicate he has either no clue of this seed's value or no clue about farming or both. As he picks up his bag of priceless seed, grabs a handful and just starts tossing it out willy-nilly. As a result, some of it lands on the path he's walking on, says Jesus, and so the birds say thanks very much and have it for breakfast. Another portion lands on the gravelly rock, rocky stuff either side of the path. The birds miss it, but the sun doesn't, does it? There's simply no chance in this sort of ground for a plant to grow. And so the seedlings that come up quickly wither and die. Other seed happens to make it into better ground, but not the stuff cleared and prepared for the seed. And so it makes it a little further, but eventually the weeds that are already there choke it out. And then almost it seems by accident, some of the seed manages to fall on the cultivated soil. Having landed in the right spot, it sprouts, grows and produces a crop. Now friends, as we consider this story, even if you weren't aware of the priceless nature of this seed, even if this was an ordinary crop, this is not how a farmer treats the stuff that his livelihood depends on. As such, this strange farming practice is begging for an explanation from the storyteller, isn't it? But rather than providing one, instead Jesus closes with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So strange story followed by cryptic ending. But friends, it doesn't end there. Because this puzzling story about the farmer was just one in a long line of puzzling stories. And we know that because Mark tells us as such in verse 2, doesn't he? He taught them many things by parables. In other words, Jesus told story after story after story that day with no explanation at all. And friends, this method of teaching raises the biggest and most important question of the day, doesn't it? And this question is voiced by the disciples later on, isn't it? Verse 10, have a look. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. 
Now, friends, notice here, they're not asking Jesus to explain the parable of the sower. No, they are asking about his chosen method of teaching in general, aren't they? What's with all the stories with no explanation? Jesus, your message is the most important message a person can hear. So why not make it as simple and as clear as humanly possible, rather than the opposite? Now friends, you may have noticed I titled this sermon The Parable About Parables. And that's because the parable of the sower is a story that actually answers the disciples' question here, which is why Jesus is going to take them back to it in just a moment. But before he does that, in keeping with the agricultural theme, he needs to till some ground first. And so look at how he does that in verse 11. He says to these disciples who are querying about all these parables, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, friends, who knows how the disciples responded to Jesus' answer here? But leaving them aside for just a moment, what about us? You know, how are we to understand that Jesus is telling stories with no explanation because if he was clearer, he's worried people might turn and be forgiven? Now, hang on, isn't that the whole point of Jesus' mission? Isn't that why he came to earth? To seek and save the lost? What is that exactly is Jesus talking about? What exactly is going on here? Friends, if we're going to understand what's going on, the first clue, if you have your Bibles in front of you, as you can see right there, is Jesus' answer is a quote, isn't it? In other words, this answer has been given before specifically by God in Isaiah chapter 6. So what's going on there? Well, it turns out something actually pretty significant, as this chapter records Isaiah's commissioning as a prophet. So God asks, who shall I send to the rebellious nation of Israel? Isaiah puts his hand up and says, here I am, send me. And in response, God says to Isaiah, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Shocked at this, Isaiah replies, For how long, O Lord? And God's answer, well, in summary, is this, Till everything lies in ruins. But in closing, God provides Isaiah a glimmer of hope as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Who is or what is this holy seed that will sprout from the ashes? 
Well, friends, as Isaiah continues, he gives us some pretty big clues. Very next chapter, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. Over to chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now friends, keep reading and the promises keep coming about this holy seed. And how having grown to maturity, he will bring salvation, not just to Israel, but to all. And now this one who is promised has arrived. This child born of a virgin has grown up and the spirit of the Lord is on him. The holy seed has sprouted, grown and is now casting out his seed to the masses. What's its effect? What do people hear as it lands on them? Well, many in that crowd are pretty sure they know, don't they? The Holy One has come to straighten out my paralysed legs, cure my leprous skin. The message he casts out is all about how to be made whole again physically, completely restored. Others in the crowd say, no, 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 he's calling for a moral revival in Israel such that God will come from the clouds and save us. Still others in the crowd say, no, that's not it at all. His message is a war cry. Jesus is our great military leader who will finally break the chains of Rome and restore Israel to its past glory. And friends, into all these different expectations, what does Jesus give them? Parables. What's with that? What's the point of telling me these strange stories, one after the other after the other? Well, if you're asking that question, you aren't here with ears to hear. Because those with ears to hear Understand that every single story shines out a truth about who Jesus is, the kingdom he has come to bring in, and how you can enter into that kingdom. Every single story Jesus tells paints a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. For those with ears to hear. But for those whose ears are tuned differently, tuned to their own frequency, the parables work exactly the same as Isaiah's preaching. Ever seeing but never perceiving. Ever hearing but never understanding. For the closed ear... The parables don't draw the person into the kingdom, but completely shut them out. Now, friends, that raises a huge and important question for us, doesn't it? Which, of course, is how well-tuned are my ears to, to hear Jesus' message? Are my ears opened or closed to Jesus? Jesus. 
And what ultimately makes the difference? Now, friends, it seems this is precisely the question on the disciples' lips. For the answer is found in the parable of the sower, as Jesus says to them. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And so he takes them back to the story now and explains it and tells them why some people hear Jesus correctly and some people do not. And friends, this is where the rubber really hits the road for us. Because within Jesus' explanation is every single human being. As his message goes into our ears, it lands on one of four different soils. And it's this soil in us that affects our ability to hear Jesus correctly or not. So what sort of soil are we? Let's begin. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. Now, friends, as we hear this, our first reaction might be, well, hold up a second, these people aren't even given a chance. The seed goes in their ear and boom, Satan immediately takes it away. But, friends, before he does, notice what the seed lands on. Because that's the important bit, bit. It lands on a path, doesn't it? Impossible to penetrate ground. When I finished high school, I remember going along with a friend to a university open day. And as we walked to the different buildings, a Christian group approached us to see if we were interested in going along to a seminar that they were holding. But as soon as my friend heard that word Christianity, you could almost see the hackles on the back of his neck start to stand up. You could almost see the seed hit the ground and bounce off. Was he still thinking about this encounter 10 minutes later? No, the seed was gone. A friend, Satan can't stop the word from arriving but he'll quickly gobble it up if it bounces off a hard heart. Now, can someone be in this category and still come to church? Absolutely they can. Now, there are all sorts of reasons people might come to church. Hard ground can happily coincide with sitting in a pew. But friends, it does not sit happily when the discussion turns to Jesus and how that person's walk is going with him. You may have had this very same experience. Mention Jesus to some churchgoers and the hard path, the hard heart, soon becomes very apparent. Could that be you? Jesus continues. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now actually, friends, the word Jesus uses here isn't uh, fall away, but takes offence. 
In other words, as soon as trouble or persecution comes because of Christ, the person quickly switches from their joy about Jesus to the very opposite, anger towards Jesus. Now, why would someone switch just like that? Well, because this joy for Jesus has nothing at all to do with rendering your heart to him, but him rendering his heart to you. Now, like some cosmic bellboy, Jesus exists to bring you your heart's desire. But when he doesn't follow through on that, when the good times blow away and the blazing sun comes out, this shallow belief quickly shrivels and dies. So, how do you go? How are you going in the trial? What happens to you when the heat is dialed up? Does your faith sustain you or does it shrivel and die? What do hard times reveal about where the seed has landed in your heart? Third soil, verse 18. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now on this verse, J.C. Ryle says this, These people are they who attend to the preaching of Christ's truth. Their understanding assents to it. Their judgment approves of it. Their affections are in favour of it. But something appears to chain them fast and they never grow beyond a certain point. Now to put J.C. Ryle's words another way, the knowing never matures to showing in any way. The issue, well it's right there, isn't it? The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things. Now, friends, make no mistake, these weeds are all pervasive. I mean, no one here can ever say they have never battled with one of these three things, if not all three at the same time. The difference, though, friends, is that little word, battle. Because plant number three doesn't know that word. No, plant number three succumbs and is controlled by the weeds. So how do I know if I haven't succumbed to them? How can I know that I am not plant number three? Because I know those struggles. Well, friends, the difference is shown by the last plant. Have a look at it. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. And so we see, don't we, the difference between the third plant and the fourth plant is the fourth plant grows to its intended purpose, doesn't it? It pushes through, matures, and produces a crop. Plant number three, no crop. 
Plant number four, crop. And so, friends, we see the crop is the demonstration that the the seed has landed on good soil in you, in me. And so comes the question, doesn't it? What is the crop? How do I quantify it? Is Jesus talking about Christian maturity here? You know, the fruits of the Spirit? Or is he talking about us seeing people come to Christ? Because that's the purpose of a head of grain, isn't it? To send seeds out so more might grow. So which one is it? Is the crop the fruit of the Spirit or new believers? And friends, the answer to that question is yes. It's both. I remember a lecturer at a Bible college talking about this and he said the most timid born-again believer in the course of their life will absolutely affect the non-believing world for Christ. Because everything you do and say each day is either a step up towards Christ or a step down and away from him. A mature plant has seeds and the mature believer has a message to share. And so, friends, we have the four soils. Jesus' word, his gospel lands on each, but only one grows to maturity such that it produces a crop. And you know, as we hear this and the challenge it brings, don't be fooled that the application here is to think to yourself, gee, you know, I've got to get busy and and be less rocky. I need to be a whole lot less thorny and then my Christian life will finally grow in the right soil. Friends, that's not the application because that's not the application Jesus gives, is it? No, the application he gives to his story is right there in verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, Jesus is asking How have you received his word tossed out to you? As it goes into your ear and lands on your heart, what does your response reveal? Is Jesus and his word to you an annoyance? Is it a menace, the path? Or is he only worth something to you if he serves up for you the things that you think will make you happy? Rocky ground. Or is he great to know? But that's as far as it goes. Weeds. Or has Jesus and his word landed in that place that says to you, the wages of my sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Has that truth landed and taken root in you? Deep root. Such that when trials, persecutions, temptations and worries come, this word in you also replies, 
our light and momentary afflictions is producing in us an eternal weight of glory that outweighs them all. Friends, we all know this story as the parable of the sower. But I think a better title is the parable of the soils because it asks us the question, which soil are you? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we hear that challenge, which soil are we? Even there we recognise that we can't hear your word and receive it without you doing a work of grace, a miracle of opening up our ears and our hearts to receive your word. And so, Father, we pray that you would open up our hearts, that we might receive your wonderful truth. And Father, we pray that you would protect it and help it to grow deep in us such that when persecution does come, it's not burnt away. Or when all those temptations and worries and things like that come, it's not choked out. Plant your seed, your wonderful word, deep in us that we might persevere to the end as well as be a voice to others to come and know you and be saved. And we pray this in Jesus' precious and glorious name. Amen.